I want to lay some ground rules and just some, some work, groundwork uh, for us tonight. We are, we are genuinely going to have an adult conversation about what dating is like. And so for some of you, I'm going to ask you just kindly to grow up just a little bit, all right? I need all of us in the room to have just a sense of maturity about this conversation. Some of the things that we are going to talk about, some of the things I'm going to mention, uh, some of you will have differing opinions, I understand that. Some of you will have different perspectives on what dating is like, and, and I, here's what I would simply ask is that we would just kind of, as we journey through this night, that we would listen not only with our ears, but we will listen with our hearts. And that the Holy Spirit would be the one that would guide us and lead us in this conversation. Because God does have things to say about how we are today and date each other. And so I, I kind of want us to, just the very beginning of this, this conversation to go, all right, here, here you know, let's all grow up together. And we'll embark on this journey as we go. If you look at your talk sheet, you're like, Steve, there are 20-something blanks. Uh, and uh, I am going to do my absolute very best to get all the way through this. But uh, one of the things I want to try to do uh, is to give some room for some Q&A. And so what we have done is we, we're going to slide up on the screen that has a, uh, if you have some questions as we go through this night, if you would like to ask a question about dating, I'm going to try my best to leave some room at the back end of the talk for Shelly and I to have some, you know, the opportunity to answer some of these questions. And so if you have a specific question about dating, I don't want you to send no weird text, all right? Um, a genuine question about dating and that you would like for us to answer you can ask at that point. I'm, we're going to put that slide up a couple of times throughout the night, but hear me out as we get through that, that point. Does that make sense? Cool? All right. Here we go. If you have your Bible, go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. I'm going to say this at the very beginning, and you're going to go, Steve, well, duh. Here's the straight-up truth. Dating is not in the Bible. You're like, what? You can look from cover to cover. You will not see any mention of boyfriend, girlfriend. You will not see any mention of even the word dating. What you will see is betrothal, and you will see marriage. And there are relationships. God does talk about relationships a lot. He talks about ultimately a relationship we have with him. He talks about the relationship we're supposed to have with our spouses the relationships we're supposed to have with our, uh, for parents like to have children. He talks about even relationships that we have with our neighbor. But as it relates to this dating scene, it's not mentioned in the Bible. And the way that back in those days, there was no such thing as dating because marriage was ultimately in those days was a reflection of God's relationship that he has with mankind. And this biblical principle that you will see is that many times the, uh, the dating or the betrothal was a, basically a contract between two families. And the, the one family would have a son, the other family would have a daughter, and they would enter, the family patriarchs would enter into literally a contract that would unite the two of them. And they would have a betrothal period 
And that length of time was set between the two families. And during that betrothal or engagement period, the responsibility of the the son or the, the man of the relationship was to prepare the bedroom chamber during that betrothal period. That once the marriage ceremony, once that chamber was completed, then that, uh, that father and that mother would have the ceremony of the wedding. And then, this is weird, but this is true, the fam- like the husband and wife, the newly coupled, would go into the marriage chamber and the family would wait outside. You're like, okay, this is, this is how they did it back in those days, okay? And so that is, and then once that, that was a union, and this whole idea, you see it in Scripture, that a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. That is what you would see all throughout the Bible. And that's how family and marriage worked. There was no like, I'm going to date a couple of people, I'm going to hang out. Y'all, this is a very contemporary way of doing relationships. And if you really wanted to track it back, and we can have a history lesson, it really started in about the 1900s. In America, it started in about the 1900s. This word dating didn't really come up onto the scene until about the 1950s. And so there was a lot of of, uh, (laughs) contemporary ideas as to how the marriage thing ought to work. And it literally became a very selfish-minded, not a godly-minded way of doing relationships. And honestly, if you really want to dig deep, it is the result of sin. The way that we interpret this marriage-slash-dating, getting-to-know thing is really birthed out of this selfish mentality, a sinful mentality that is all about is pleasing me. And I need to find somebody who's going to please me. And y'all... The definition of marriage is God's idea. And this idea of dating is man's idea. And so having that perspective and having that reality and that truth that y'all, this dating thing is ultimately, in all of our minds, is leading toward what? Marriage. And so... We want to do this marriage thing right. Agreed? I think every one of us in this room, ultimately, our heart and our hope is that one day we will find someone that God has ordained for us to be in a marriage relationship with. And so as we have this perspective of what dating is all about, there are two questions that I want us to answer and really what it comes down to. And the first one, if we are going to do this dating thing, if we're going to be a part of that, then the first thing that we need to understand in answering question number one is, who am I? Basically, who are you? Who are you? Before you even begin this idea of dating, before you even embark on this idea, it is so valuably important, and the best encouragement I probably know who you are. And if you're a believer in Christ, the God of the universe who knows you full well knows exactly who you are. And if you want to figure out who you are, guess who you need to get to know? The creator of of who you are. The creator of the universe. The one who holds all things together and knows you full well. Psalm 139 is one of the most definitive passages in Scripture speaking to who 
we are. And that there's a God in heaven who knows everything about who we are. He says in verse 1, it says, You have searched me, Lord. You know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. Y'all, this is a God who knows you. And if that is true, then if we are going to discover who we are, we don't need to look to the culture to tell us who we are. We don't need to look to our friends to tell us who we are. We need to look at the God of the universe who knows us full well and allow him to define who we are. And here's the truth about dating. Ready for this one? This one's in your notes. Dating does not define you. God does. So many of us put so much stake, so much effort into a dating relationship that we forget who we are. I'm going to start preaching here in a minute. Many of us have focused like tunnel vision on, I got to have someone in my life such that I will feel value and that I will feel loved. Y'all, that's wrong. Just going to tell it straight. I love you enough to tell you that if there is anyone that needs to speak into my life about who I am, it needs to be the God of the universe who knows me full well. It knows me full well. And it starts there. Dating starts there. It doesn't start with trying to figure out who's who and who's what and what do I like, all those things. No, it starts with understanding who you are and who God created you to be, your likes, your dislikes, all those kind of things. Um, So how does God define you? You ready? Here goes the bullet points right there in your notes. One, you are unconditionally loved. And I want you to underline, circle, highlight, unconditionally loved. Y'all, so <laughs> nah, I'm not going to go there. Um, you are in the God of the universe loves you and knows you full well. That is the gospel. He loves you so much that he sent his one and only son. He loved you so much to pay the ultimate price. He loved you that much. And no matter what you do or where you go or how far you go, he absolutely loves you and wants to be in a right relationship with you. Ultimately, that's the picture of marriage. That's the earthly example of a heavenly truth. That's what marriage is about. You are unconditionally loved. One, you are second or number two or next bullet is you are a child of the king. And when you are a child of the king, guess what comes with being a child of the king? All the rights and privileges thereof. That's a very law-abiding term. Uh, Shelly and I came across a poem called A Child of the King. And is you, if you're struggling with find, trying to find, find out who you are, and you just don't know or not hearing, I have a poem that I want to give you. Shelly and I will both give it to you tonight if you want it. Just request it. Just come to us. We'll send it to you. But it is... scripture about how you are a child of the king, known by the king with all rights and privileges come with being a part of the king. And once you understand who you are as a child of God, oh, your value, your worth, all of those things start just building up because you realize that this is a God who absolutely loves me and knows me and he cares for me. Number three, you're honored. You're honored. 
with being a child of the king. When the king comes in the room and the child is there, guess what? All the attention is on the king, but all the rights and privileges come with the kid, with the child. All of those people that bow to the king, they bow to you. They honor you. And so you are highly honored by God. The fourth one is that you are worth the ultimate sacrifice. You are worth the ultimate sacrifice. Y'all, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He absolutely loves you, and he loves you. He proved it by sending his one and only son. If you're looking for evidence of unconditional love, look at the cross. Look at who Jesus is. He absolutely loves you. And he knows you. Psalm 139, verses 13, you have it there in your Bible, 13 through 18, says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. In other words, how you created me is wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. Praise the Lord right there. Um, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. In other words, he's thinking about me a lot. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. Y'all, that is the truth of God's word. You understand who you are in God's eyes. The next thing you realize as you discover how God uniquely created you, that you have differences of opinion. You have likes and dislikes. Some of you like the color black. The other part likes the, you know, some of you like blue. Like they all have different likes and dislikes. And every one of us are uniquely created. And none of us are the same. None of us are robots. Look around the room. Even identical twins, are, there is a, a difference between the two of them. Y'all, you are uniquely created, and every one of us have our likes and dislikes. Do you know what you like? Or do you change your likes because somebody else told you to like it? Wait, you live in Memphis, Tennessee. You better be a Memphis Tigers fan. I'll tell you that. I mean, when I lived in Louisiana, I was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. The very first Sunday I was a youth pastor there, one of the members of the church came up and gave me a gift bag and said, you are now an LSU Tiger fan. And he gave me a shirt and a hat. And guess what? Go Tigers, right? Um, or as Coach Ed, go Tigers. You know, you know that, like that's, uh, and I've been a fan ever since, to be quite honest with you. If it's SEC, I'm cheering for LSU. If it's ACC, I'm cheering for Florida State. And some of you are like, I disagree with that. That's the worst pick ever, right? You know, in other words, I have my opinion and you have yours. I have my likes and you have your dislikes. You know what? Some of us, those likes and dislikes create conflict. But if you think about it in a godly perspective, it makes every one of us unique. And that's how God created us. If you know who you are in Christ, you know that God has created you uniquely. And that those gifts and talents, those things that God has instilled in you are to be used for his glory. It's not to impress somebody. It's not just to win over a friend or win over a guy, a girlfriend or boyfriend. Like you find a dating relationship. Oh, you like that? Well, guess what? (laughs) I think I do too. Just because you want the like, right? You want the guy, you want the girl. 
Know who you are. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 7. Um, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. In other words, that you are made holy in God's eyes. That God wants to make every one of us holy. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That each of you should learn how to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins. As we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. We're all different. God created us in this way, and we need to seek to understand each other. And here's, the, I'm going to give you some great, this is some great wisdom right here. I don't, don't date people because, you ready? Here it is. It's in your notes. Don't date people because someone told you to. Hey, he's looking at you. I think you should go over there. You know? Oh, I heard that somebody, you know, I heard he said that he liked you. Nah, that's not how we find a date, y'all. We don't date because someone told us to. We don't date when you feel, when you want to feel good about yourself. This is quick hits, y'all. I'm told you, I'm saying some things that may be controversial. You don't date because... You want to feel good about yourself. You don't need a relationship, a dating relationship in your life to feel good. If you feel like that that's important to you, I would kindly and respectfully ask you to reconsider. You don't date because you need love, quote unquote. I got to have somebody to love or somebody's got to love me. That's not why we date. And the last one, you don't date because you're lonely. And all the single people in the room said, amen. <laughs> uh, know who you are, people. Here's the other little quick hit right here about knowing who you are. Next one right there. Shh, dial it in. Your maturity matters. Your maturity matters, especially when it comes to dating. Know who you are. Know your standard. Knowing the Lord loves you. You're in a right relationship with him. You're pursuing him. Don't feel that pressure to date someone just because. Understand who your likes and dislikes are. But one of the things you need to know is that your maturity matters when it comes to dating. Some of you, and I'm saying this lovingly, some of you are not mature enough to be handling a dating relationship in your life. I, talk, I, I said at the very beginning, we're going to have a grown-up conversation, right? Some of us are not mature enough. And you know what? That's okay. There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that. You know who you are. You know how God's wired you. You know what's going on. You don't need to have the pressure of dating, and maybe you just need some more time. You need more time to know who you are. You need more time to understand who God is in your life. You need more time to understand your spiritual gifts. You need more time to sit in a crock pot and just let it cook. You know what I mean? Let God do those things in you. And if you're not dating anybody, it's okay. It's okay. You are okay. You don't need it. Big truth here. And then I'll move on to point number two. Big truth. Dating should not change who you are. 
And neither should a dating relationship pull you away from your relationship with God. I'm going to leave that one up for a little bit. If you know who you are, who you created in the Lord, then a dating relationship should never pull you away from that. Never. I cannot tell you how valuably important it is that if you are in a dating relationship, that the Lord has to be the center of your life. I'm going to talk here in just a minute about how you need to have both people who are dating love the Lord. But I'm telling you right here and right now, if you want to date God's way, and I think a lot of you want to, then the number one priority of your life should be to looking to Him to define who you are, your gifts, your talents, your skill, all those kind of things. And as you pursue Christ, if the Lord allows and puts someone in your life, then that relationship you have with the Lord will never falter, will never move. And if you find yourself drifting away from the Lord because of a dating relationship, have enough wisdom, have enough maturity to say, you know what, I'm going to stop this and get back to my first love. And I want to stay here. Because if you want a healthy dating relationship, you should and ought to want the blessing of God to be upon it. And if you don't have that blessing of God upon it, then have enough maturity, have enough guts to do the right thing and to get back on track with the Lord. Amen? Here's point number two. Who you are, question number two, who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? Everyone wants to know who Mr. and Mrs. Wright is, right? Every one of us want to know that. Who's it going to be? And uh, some of us, this dating relationship is this quest to find the who. You're on this quest that if I'm dating these people, that is this somebody I'm going to marry? Is this somebody that I'm going to you know, fall in love with? And, and we're going to spend the rest of our lives, and we're going to have a mansion on a hill and five cars, you know, all those kind of things. You just dream, dream, dream about who, finding Mr. Wright. And here's what I want to encourage you with. And as you are looking for someone, this is big truth, it's not on the screen, but instead of trial and error type of dating, like I'll just date this girl for a little bit, and if it doesn't work, I don't want to date this girl, I'll try this one out, or I'll try this one out, or I'll try this one out. Sad, but guys do that a lot. And we'll try things out. Instead of doing those kind of things, which honestly, having those kind of habits in your dating life is really full of, one, you're just believing that you can lead to a mistake-driven life. If you have that perspective going into marriage, well, I'll just marry her for a little bit, and if it doesn't work out, then I'll just divorce her and go on to the next one, and go on to the next one. Y'all, that's true. You know that. And here's the thing, the microcosm of that type of marriage is because it's probably that way in your dating relationship. Instead of having this trial and error type of mistake and leads to mistake, I would love for us to take a few moments and to decide right now who we're looking for. Let's decide right now who we're looking for. Let's not try to manipulate and to work things out in the hearts and the lives of other people. Let's figure out who am I looking for and to establish some sort of, um, 
I don't know, list, I guess is the best way to describe it, of those qualities and characteristics of who I'm looking for. And then let me pursue Christ. And if that kind of guy or that kind of girl comes a part of my life, then I know that this is a good thing. And so instead of the trial and error kind of thing, and so point number one here is don't compromise in your standards. There are many times that we compromise in our dating relationship because we're trying to find out who we are. Well, because we use dating to find out who we are. When God's told us who we are, and many times we compromise that standard because we want to feel loved or we want to feel accepted. Or I got to have. All my friends are dating. I should date too. That's wrong. The standards to which we are looking for someone should never come from pop culture. The standards of the person especially if you're a believer in Christ, the standards at which you are looking for that person to be should never, ever come from what you see on an Instagram reel or what you see some influencer say. It should never, ever, this is another one, it should never, ever come from a selfish desire that's in your heart. I want. I want. The standards ought to begin biblically. The standards ought to come from a godly perspective and not a self-centered perspective. So many times what that looks like, if I'm going to make a list of the perfect person that I'm looking for, that I believe that God has for me, that it needs to start with the biblical narrative of what a characteristic of a godly person is. That's where it should start. And that every person, every uh, dating relationship possibility that comes in your life, it's run through that filter that we have seen in God's word. And if those things match up, then it might be a, a conversation to begin. But if they don't match up to that standard, then y'all, let's have, once again, the maturity enough and the wisdom enough to say, you know what, I, let's just be friends. I'd like to just hang out with you. I'm just not going to be in that kind of relationship. So you're probably going, well, Steve, where, how, what's the list? Like, how, where, where does the list come from? I think one of the greatest places you can find is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It says, love is what? Anybody know this? Patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not arrogant. Let's keep going. There's more. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not irritable. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it does not keep a record of wrongs, right? Love finds no joy and unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. Y'all, this is, that, is, that is a great place. If you're looking for a good list, that is a great place. Don't compromise your standards. Pop culture is not the place for getting a good dating list or advice. If you are a believer in Christ and you love the Lord, which I know a lot of you do, then I want to encourage you to date God's way. Do it by the book. Look for the people that fit that standard, not the standard that you would see on an Instagram reel or a Snapchat. Oh, you should do this and da, 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 da. this is what it's. I like my man to do this. I like my girl to do this. No. So where do I, I start in discovering the qualities and characteristics of someone I'm going to date? You ready? I told you it's going to get practical. Here you go. I got to fly through this, man. Come on. 
Number one, number one, am I pursuing God not because I want to date, but because God is the love of my life? That's where it starts, y'all. That's where it starts. That's where dating starts. Is finding or having the courage, y'all, to look within myself and to say, you know what? I need to be pursuing God first. I need to make that about my life, not about pursuing a relationship. Pursuing a relationship should never, ever get in the way of pursuing God. Never. Shelly and I have been married for 24 years. One of the things that I love about her and the, one of the things that I found when we were dating is that she pursued Christ way more than she pursued me. And y'all, that was probably one of the most attractive things about her that endeared me to her is because she was pursuing the Lord. And you know what? She could probably say the same thing about me because in, the, in those days, oh, I was a train wreck and I needed the Lord. I needed the Lord and I was begging God, begging God. And as I was pursuing the Lord and seeking him, he provided her. And she came out of nowhere, y'all. Came out of nowhere. And I'm not the same since then. The Lord put us together on purpose. And for such a time as this, even this, in the ministry that we have, and I, I never would have seen that 24 years ago, never. But that was God's story for us. Y'all, that, that's the way it ought to be. It's the way it ought to be. If we're going to be dating anyone, we need to first know that they're pursuing Christ passionately. And you need to know about yourself that I'm pursuing Christ passionately. And if those things cross or don't line up, let's have the maturity to say it's not happening. Not yet. There's some changes that need to happen. But it needs to start here. You need to almost be selfish about it. If you're looking for a godly person to date, it starts by being a godly person. It's not in your notes. If you're looking, and I think a lot of you are, you're looking for a godly person to date, then it first starts by you being a godly person. Matthew 6, says this, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom, not seek first a relationship. Seek first the kingdom. And all of these things will be added unto you. As you pursue Christ, he knows the desires of your heart, y'all. He knows that. And don't think that he's not going to provide for his children. As those who are obedient and those who are pursuing Christ with all their heart. I'm starting to preach. As you get to that place, good Lord, he's going to provide for you. But your identity is made in your relationship with the Lord, not in the relationship with the guy. Or the girl. That's not how it is. So number two, that's number one. Am I pursuing God not because we want to date, but because God is the love of my life? Number two, I think and I pray first and I don't react. That is probably the biggest caution of this whole thing. Think about it. Don't react to it. Oh, she likes me. That's reacting, y'all. Think about it. Think about who you are allowing into your inner circle. Think about who that person is that you're allowing to get close to you. Because that's what happens when you start dating, right? You start bringing them into the, the inner circle. 
They start getting to know really everything about who you are. Y'all, if, if dating is going to be where you're headed, think about it first. Don't react. Take your time. Take your time. Some of y'all are rushing to find someone. You are rushing to the very breath of someone that says, I like you. You are rushing to that because you believe that your satisfaction is in that relationship. You believe it. And so you will react and you will go. And that's the evil one at work, y'all. Just being honest, that's the evil one. You're longing for selfish desires. You're not looking for godly perspective. And so here's where it is. Um, I'm going to keep going because I need to. Um, Lists are important. Make a list. It's okay to make a list. As you think about it, let that list filter. Let that list help you to decide who is going to be in that inner circle with you. Number three, it's important to be friends first. You need to know that you're not dating a scumbag. I'm just saying. And the way that you figure that out, the way you figure that out is that you you be friends with them. Y'all, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell on guys right now. I'm sorry, gentlemen, but I'm going to tell you. There will be guys, I'm telling you, there will be guys that will change what they do just so they can get a date with you, ladies. They will change everything about them because, I'm going to be honest, I'm just telling it like it is. Guys, I'm telling on you. I'm so sorry. But ladies, you need to know this. There will be guys that will change everything about who they are because they want to date with you. I mean, really. And y'all, is that being true to themselves? No. They will twist. They will manipulate because they want to date. They do. Y'all, I did it when I was in high school. I did it. I'm not saying that all guys do it, but I'm saying there are some that are out there that will do it. There are some that are staying true to themselves, and I applaud them, and you need to applaud those men that are. But there are guys out there that will weave, they will bob and weave, and they will change, and they will do everything they can to get a date with you because they are longing for, and I'm going to be honest, they're longing for the physical affection. They're not longing for the emotional affection. They're longing for the physical. They're not looking for the relationship. Ladies, I'm going to tell you a little bit too. And I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be very kind. I could be a little bit more harsh on the guys, but on the ladies, here's what I know. Here's what I've seen. Here's what I've observed many times. Ladies, you will lower your standards. You do. You will, you will lower your heart guard. Am I, is this right? Shelly is nodding, okay? You will lower your standards. Why? Why do you do that? Shh. Why do you do that? It's because you're craving relationship. And you will grasp at straws because you feel like, feel like, feelings are not great leaders. You feel like you need it. And so you will lower your standard and you let your heart guard down. And then you're allowing people to have influence over your heart and your life that should never have it. And so ladies, I'm going to encourage you to stand strong on those 
standards that you, which you hold for yourself and that you would hold for anybody, any other guy, to get in your inner circle. All right, I need to keep going because I'm running out of time. I want to answer some questions. you got to be friends first. Number four. Oh, I just talked about this. This is great. Once you set a standard, never settle. Keep your standards high. Keep your standards high. And I have two bullet points right here. You ready? The first one is your purity matters. Yep, we're going to talk about it. Sexual temptation is genuinely a real deal. And many times, for whatever reason, you feel like that sex has to happen. There has to be a physical nature about your dating relationship. For whatever reason, I know the reason, I could tell you, it's the fall of man. It's all of that sin that's in our world, the evil one who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy and rob the joy of marriage. That's exactly what the evil one is doing. Many of us are feeling pressured or feeling not necessarily pressure from, you're just feeling a weight that I have to, I have to be physical. If I'm going to be in a dating relationship, that means we have to kiss and hug and make out and, um, if anything, have sex, that we, we know who each other are. We, we try to see that that's it. And you think dating is the place for that to happen. Y'all, I want to be very clear, as clear as I possibly can be. God ordained sex to happen within a covenant marriage, not outside of it, not before it, not in a trial run. No, it is very clear. And I read the passage to you earlier. It's in Genesis that a man would leave his father and mother and the word cleave to his wife. That is very clear, y'all, as to God's design for marriage, that sex is a part of that. And you know what? Sex is all about procreation. It's about expanding his kingdom. It's about expanding uh, little Christians into the world, y'all. That's literally how two believers get together and they have little Christians. And those little Christians, guess what they do? They make other little Christians, right? And then they make other little Christians. Like this is, y'all, read the Bible. This is what it is. Hey, shh, listen, listen, listen. Sex is designed in God's plan for marriage. It is not God's desire, nor is it his plan for it to happen in a dating relationship. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna be very kind. I wanna be very loving in this moment because I know the very second that I say that, there are people in this room or will hear this message online that they have crossed that line and you have lost your virginity and you have now hearing this standard that God has for you and you probably are filled with guilt and maybe a little bit of shame, if not a lot. And I wanna be very clear to you that God can redeem that. He can. If you seek him honestly and authentically, and come before him and say, God, I have sinned. I have gone outside of your design. And God, would you please forgive me? I assure you that the God of the universe who knows you full well and knows your heart, if you genuinely come to him and say, God, I'm sorry, and you begin to repent of that sin, 
That means change the direction. It means probably that relationship probably needs to come to an end. There needs something needs to change to where you begin to pursue God's heart and not pursuing your selfish, pleasured heart. Because many times that's what sex outside of marriage is all about. It's all about pleasure. You want to selfishly make yourself good and you feel like sex is it. And that is the evil one that has twisted the truth of God's word. And y'all, I'm, I'm being completely honest with you. I'm being very transparent with you. God can redeem that mistake. He can. He can redeem that sin. Now, are there consequences to it? Yes. And there may be a day where you stand before your, and get to that wedding day and you have to, you know, you're looking at that marriage bed and you're coming to that marriage place and saying, you know what, I'm not a virgin. And you will have to probably admit that to your future spouse. And your future spouse will have to come to grips with the reality that maybe they saved themselves for you, but you didn't. And y'all, that's a hard conversation to have. But it's a consequence of the actions that we have in our youthfulness. And the Bible tells us that we should not pursue the youthful lust. 1 Thessalonians 4. We need to stay away from that. But y'all, he can redeem that if you would truly and honestly repent and seek to pursue Christ from this day forward. This day forward. He loves you and he desires to be in a right relationship with you. But I want, for all the, the, I want everybody in this room, I want all of you to pursue Christ first. I want you to pursue Christ first. And if you're in a place of sin in your life, that you would honestly come before God and just either, like tonight when you get home, whatever you need to do to get on your knees before the Lord and repent and to change and to say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I believe. I know it. I know it to be true. I've seen it so many times. I know it to be true. He will redeem you. And he will forgive you. Your purity matters. Your purity matters. Number two, or the point, next point, missionary dating doesn't work. Sometimes we date because either they're too popular or they're, they're the, I feel like they're the right one. And we justify in our minds, we justify in our minds, we justify that maybe one day they'll get saved. Maybe one day they'll say, you know, yes to Jesus. But I'm going to tell you like now, those non-believing people that you're allowing into your inner circle as a believer in Christ, <laughs> you're like, I'm strong enough. I can lead them to the Lord. But here's the reality of the truth, is that those people will pull you down way quicker, way quicker. And so I, 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 I would implore you to think about that. That the people you allow to be in your inner circle, the people that you allow to get that close to you, they need to love the Lord just as much as you do. That relationship will be more honored by God when you do that. Instead of justifying and rationalizing in your head that, oh, it's okay, you know, I'll bring them to church, they'll get saved, right? You know, they'll be here. They do not have the same standards that you do. They don't, and they will drag you down every single time. They will drag you down. They will tempt you in ways that you didn't think you could be tempted. They will manipulate. They'll get in the way. Oh, I need to be done. I need to be done. Um, Philippians chapter 2, 
Verses 3 through 11 speaks to this. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, and rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking on your own interests. In other words, that selfishness, I want to make it feel better. But each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the mindset of what? Christ. Who being the very nature did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in the human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. That's what we are to do to each other in our relationships. We humble ourselves before him. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to be the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. The name that is Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and on the earth, and every tongue that acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of Father. Y'all, this is what it is. Your relationships with one another should have the same mindset of Christ. In other words, the people that I allow in need to have the same standards that I do. They need to be a believer, y'all. They need to be a believer. And please, think. Don't react. Think. Don't react. My story. When I was dating in high school, I justified a girl believing that I could lead her to the Lord. She was not a believer. Her family was not a believer. And the standards that were in her house were not the same standards that were in my house. What my, God, my mom and dad raised me up to believe. And the standards that her mom and dad believed were totally different. But I justified in my head, in my heart, that it was okay for me to date her. Y'all, it didn't take very long at all. There were moments when we would go over to her house and the standards were so relaxed. They let us be alone in the room upstairs. They let us be and do whatever, watch any movie we wanted to watch, do all those kind of things. And, and here's this Christian little Steve walking into an, a sinful environment. And I was justifying every bit of it because I wanted to be with her. She dragged me down, genuinely. And it was funny because the times when she came over to my house, she felt very uncomfortable. She didn't feel like that she was loved and wanted, not by me, but because she realized the standards of my house were different than the standards that she had at her house. And so guess what I did? I spent way more time over at her house than we did at mine. What did I just do? What did I just do? I compromised my standards, right? Uh, I thought missionary dating would work. I quickly realized, and it was through the, the godly wisdom of my youth pastor, Brian, who simply said, Steve, it's probably not worth it. And I broke off that relationship. Y'all, it happens. It's so true. But you have to think about it. You have to sometimes back up from your relationship. You have to back up and take a 10,000-foot view and say, what is happening? Am I living a godly life? Am I honoring the Lord with the people that I've allowed to come into that close circle? The last thing, is, well, godly people seek godly people to date. That's the truth here. It's not in your notes, but godly people seek godly people to date. The last one, number five, and then we'll do a Q&A for like two minutes. Um, be patient. 
Be patient. You don't have to date anybody right now. You don't have to. I would say even if you're entertaining a dating relationship, wait. Be patient. You want to honor it. You want to honor that relationship. You want to honor the person you're dating. And you want to most likely want to honor the Lord. And so it's really, really important that you do those things. And I, the best advice I can give you is wait. If it's not to be, or you come to a realization that they're not the guy or not the girl for you, then you have the wisdom to say, I'm just not going to date. We're just not going to get to that spot. I'm going to be friends with you. I'm going to hang out with you. This is going to be great. I think the phone number's up on the screen. Um, Shelly, I'm going to let you, I mean, Elena, you, you've been taking all these messages. Are, do we have some? Do we have a couple? Okay, I'm going to give a few minutes. I don't, I want to honor dodgeball too, okay? I really do. But I want to give you an opportunity for some of y'all to ask some questions. So, Elena, what is one of those questions? No, we're not going to single anybody out, y'all, okay? Just be honest. We're not going to single anybody out. Okay. Okay. Um, Our first question is, how should I navigate when I don't like my friend's significant other's character? Ooh. So the, the, the base of that question is, how do I break up well? Um, or if you, how do you, you navigate if you don't like your friend's significant other? Okay. Oh, your friend's yeah. significant mm-hmm. other. Um, first, I will say you are responsible for your heart. Okay? So your heart. And so as you pursue Christ, hopefully... Even the friends that you have are pursuing Christ too, right? And so as you pursue Christ, those friends around you are pursuing Christ. And if one of those friends starts entertaining a dude that's probably not good for her, wouldn't a godly friend be kind enough and loving enough to say something? Shelly, would you agree with that? That we would be bold enough and honest enough with our friends that we would recognize ungodly characteristics in other people. And for the sake of love of that friendship and for the sake of love of that person that we would honestly say, hey, let's think. Remember what Steve said the other night? Let's think. Let's think about this. Who is this guy? And why are you letting him into your life? Good? Cool. Next question. Um, Why does it matter that Christians be different in dating than the rest of the world? Ooh. Shelly, you want to answer this one? I want your voice in this because this is great. It's on. Is it on, Alex? Yeah? Okay. I, one reason that it matters is because we are called to be set apart. God has chosen us to walk differently, to look differently, to act differently as we follow Christ. And we can't look and act different in dating if we're following the world. Hmm. It's true. Next. How do I navigate dealing with a breakup when my friends are close with them? Ooh. Yikes. Um, 
here's what I'll say about that. Uh, I, I heard early on, always stay away from triangles. And here's what I mean by this. Stay away from triangles, especially in relationships. You have your friends with that friend, and that friend is friends with that friend, and so you have this, this triangle. One of the things that would be very wise if you're choosing to break up with that person who is friends with that person, that you would not go this way in the triangle but you in the breakup in the conversation would have honest conversations with a person that needs to have that conversation with and that you would stick with that and you would stick with that. You would not involve that friend in the breakup. Does that make sense? They don't need that. They don't need that pressure. They don't need that. If you are wanting to break up with that person, then don't include the friend of that person trying to get an ally or trying to, well, I, you know her better than I know her. You know what I mean? And so you want to have all of your conversations and all of that, you know, it needs to be between the breakup. And if anything, let that friend be so kind to lovingly come alongside and support either one of you because you're going through that breakup. Don't try to manipulate and get them on your side and try to say, hey, this is the way it should be. If anything, you want to have that conversation straight up with them. Does that make sense? Because you're guarding the heart of the people around you. You're guarding the heart of the person you're breaking up with, but you're also guarding the heart of the friend because you value that friendship. You know what? That person values that friendship too. And the last thing that you need to do is then to involve all these other people in this decision to break up and never have the conversation to break up. And so you're getting this crowd to make you feel good about it. And that's not unfair to all the people around you. You're being very selfish. And so if you're going to break up, break up well and do it with the person. Have the conversation with the person and allow the Lord and his spirit to grant peace to everybody around you. Seek to be a peacemaker. That's what it says in Sermon on the Mount, right? Does that make, does that make sense? Yeah? Last one. We got to go. Um, what do you... What? do you do if you don't know what a healthy relationship looks like so you don't know where your expectations should be? Um, go ahead. <laughs> All right, Shelly. I feel like if we're looking for healthy relationship, we start with 1 Corinthians 13. Verses 4 through 7. Mm -hmm. And I think if I'm looking for a healthy relationship, then it's going to reflect patience. Love is patient. It's going to reflect kindness. Love is kind. Love doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. If I'm looking for a healthy relationship, that person is going to be kind, patient, not arrogant, not boastful, not overly proud. But that would be my standard for a healthy relationship. Yeah. God's word needs to be the standard, right? If we're looking for what a healthy relationship with is, God has already told us that. Now, it's not in necessarily in the context of dating, but it is in the context of being a godly man and a godly woman. And so if you're looking for a healthy relationship, then God's word needs to be that standard, even in our friendships. Especially if we want godly friendships, then let's act godly together, right? 
Let's be encouraging. Let's be kind. Let's be loving. Let's do those things that are full of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. That we would exercise those things in our relationships, not only with God, but we would exercise it with each other. And so um, thinking biblically is probably the best way to find out what those standards are and how I even look at other people around me.